Welcome to Future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, and together we'll explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Future of XYZ is presented in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. Hello and welcome to this special Thanksgiving edition of Future of XYZ. Uh, thrilled to have two guests with us this week talking about the future of children's books. Kelly Ann Manuel is a children's author. She's published 31 children's books um, under four different series, which is a fascinating model. Uh, and Stephen Joseph uh, was an attorney uh, turned children's and adult book author with crazy titles like Snoodles, Cadoodles, Poodles, and most importantly, Cranky Superpowers. Um, thank you both for joining us on Future of XYZ. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Uh, this is fantastic. So excited to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm going to dive right in because as all of our listeners and viewers know, we don't have a huge amount of time. And this is a big topic. And it's an exciting, happy topic in a world that is not always so exciting and happy these days. Um, so you guys get to bring some joy in right before the Thanksgiving holiday here in America and just before the holidays in general around the world. So let's talk about what children's books mean? I mean, there's a definition that's pretty obvious. It's a book for children. But through each of your lenses, how do you define it? Um, and Kellyanne, I'll launch it to you first. Well, sure. You know, I initially and immediately go back to my own childhood and, and the books that I read and the stories and, and what they did for me and for my imagination. And they were integral, you know, it, including the library. You know, I used to be taken to the library for story time. And those stories are woven into the fabric of my being. So when I think of, of stories today for children, I want the same thing for them. So it, it's the idea that they become a piece of your history and that they, they show you a view of the world that may not be available in your immediate um, house, home, community, apartment. So they, they open windows, books are windows to the world. And without them, especially in childhood, it, it would affect your your development. And so the more you have, the more development you're going to have, and the more excitement you're going to have, the more dreams you're going to have. So I that's how that. I see children's books. Yeah. I heard stories, imagination, exposure, opportunity. <laughs> it's like, that's pretty big. Stephen, what do you think? Well, uh, I... I I could go back to my childhood, but if I go back to my childhood, I go to like Mad Magazine. <laughs> so that's what I remember. And Craft, which is like a like the competitor for Mad Magazine. But I, I go back more to when my daughter was small. Uh, she's like 28 now. So uh, I like to get into characters and, and uh, be very fun with the book. So... Uh, so the the books actually had to entertain me as the adult as much as like you know, I want my my daughters to be entertained. So, and it shows when in my books when I'm writing, I'm writing as much for the the grownups in a room as for the child, and uh, and it's more about again with creativity and thinking outside the box, being kind of like. Uh, loony, but still having a message. You know that that's always important for me. I I appreciate that. I I was having a conversation with a friend just uh, um, earlier today, and uh, she was describing she has an eleven year old, 
And she was describing what screens are doing that he used to love to read. And now he's on his screen a lot. And and I, I wasn't intending to go there right away, but it with these themes of imagination and of creativity and of, you know, it, being exposed to different things, it's different than when you're watching like a TikTok, you know, 20 second video or, you know, something. And I'm not anti-technology. I, I, I don't love screens in the same way that it's made me ADHD and unable to consume an adult book in the same uh, way I used to. But I'm curious, you know, uh, about the role of technology. And then I'll come back to kind of like thinking about the questions I wanted to answer. But like what as we think about today versus yesterday and now certainly as things are ex expanding in the future, how how do you guys see technological, you know, evolution impacting the future of children's books? Well, I, I could take that. I, I know one of the amazing things uh Cranky Superpowers, which is my latest book, and actually it's a book as much for adults, more for adults than for children, but I've heard that it's there's a lot of stories actually for children. Uh, but one of the amazing things in that book is that every chapter, so there's 37 chapters in the book, in every chapter there's some illustration in the beginning of the book, and they're amazing illustrations. And people ask me, who did it? And I say, artificial intelligence. So, uh, and going through it, there's a couple of clunkers, but then you just give artificial intelligence, whatever instructions, and they, some of them is like, wow, it's like really amazing. So I could see artificial intelligence taking over. Uh, and I know when I'm writing a kid's book, uh, I, I have an illustrator, uh, and I do the story blocks, and I, I describe what I'm looking for in the illustration, and my illustrator, in case, does a phenomenal job. But uh, I'm I just curious, if I gave some computer my, my thoughts, what I'm looking for, the computer, I mean, I would never replace Andy's irreplaceable, but, uh, but uh, I'm curious what a computer would come up with. I think it's coming for all of us. Um, I appreciate that perspective. Um, neither of you was trained as an author or a writer, and neither of you certainly is a children's book. Um, what what drew you to this genre? You know, for me, it was just, I just started writing in March of 2022. And um, I started writing poetry, and I, I heard the poetry. And I just knew immediately the poetry was meant to be um, translated into nursery rhyme format. You know, my my books are about modern day nursery rhymes. So if you think of a Hans Christian Andersen, somebody I grew up with, it, along those lines. So I I just they they came as as poems, but I knew they were for children, and I did work with children um, in the preschool arena in um, teaching and, and administration. So I did have a piece of my background that that does align really well. But I, I had no intention of it. It just really presented itself. I, I say I heard the call and I answered it, you know, and I just knew these these stories were important and that the timing was important and that rhyming. So, you know, anybody uh, with children in their lives, rhyming is huge for literacy development and um, for this this time of their life, rhyming is huge. So that's across the board. If you can involve rhyming into their learning, 
that's going to give them a leg up. And that's more like um, kind of like baby to two, three to five, six to eight. I mean, Stephen, you're 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 writing for around the three to five and older. Is that is that fair to say? And obviously, older being also us grown up kids. Actually, yeah. No, my books were like six to ten to twelve to ninety nine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and and I appreciate what Kelly answered. I I know as a kid, I loved rhyming books. I loved the words to rhyme. I loved to play with the, the words, and uh, it takes you into a whole world. And and when when you're reading a rhyming book. You, you kind of listen. You you want to listen. You listen inside your head, even if you read it to yourself. If you read it out loud, there's there's glee, there's joy, just hear, hearing the rhymes, uh, having fun with it, and it paints a picture more so than if it's just telling a story. So I, I love the rhyme. I mean, there's rhymes in my books, every snoodles, noodles, poodles. So... Uh, yeah, and as no, you said, it makes it fun for the adults also, engages the adults who are reading to the kids also. That's right. And, and I, again, like I'm like Kellyanne. I wasn't, I'm an attorney. I still am. I have my day job. Uh, so I wasn't planning on writing a children's book. It was, it was all by accident. And uh, it, it, it just so happened I was in Rome with my wife in the, in the Airbnb. And uh, she, with the electricity went out, out just as she was dyeing her hair and black dye went into her eye, and she was a little cranky. And I, I said she was like a tyrannic crankosaurus, and I used the word surus, which is the Yiddish word for problems, surus. And I said, that's how probably all the dinosaurs died. There was this one little dinosaur who kept cranking out her surus so all the other dinosaurs couldn't take it anymore. They all dropped dead. So... Uh, and so then I came up with a story how all humans evolved from this very cranky dinosaur. And that's why if, when babies are born or crying, they come out, we come out cranky. And, uh, I started on this cranky theme. So it, it, there's, you know, adults getting cranky, children getting cranky. Uh, so it, it's every time I think I'm tapped out on, in the cranky, uh, genre, there's there's more things that that, that come out of that. And I love it. It's fun. I love that. I mean, it's it, it's quite fun. I mean, I can just imagine the conversation that happened. I mean, there's something very much about like um, in children's books that we see ourselves as adults, um, you know, or we have to or we we want to have the fun that we maybe had as kids, that inner child kind of development. Um, but I'm hearing kind of what makes a successful children's book between it's, it, it ultimately is entertainment, right? Um, and, and so that's the illustrations, that's the, I mean, more and more interactivity, the graphic novels, the whatever, the unique, certainly the unique voice that both of you guys have. And I think all successful children's books authors bring to the table. Um, as, as we think about other trends, though, because I feel like, I mean, especially it's interesting, both of you are relatively new authors. Um, there are books, you know, by, by, you know, people who stand the test of time, you know, cow jumped over the moon, like kind of, you know, storylines. Um, and as you mentioned, Hans Christian Andersen and, um, you know, Dr. Seuss, I mean, they're, they're, they're a number, right? Um, but there are also a lot of you who are writing books and it is actually a surprisingly fast growing segment of the market with Kager that's, you know, just surprised me as I was researching this. 
Um, what do you attribute that to? I mean, you know, again, in competition for so many other forms of entertainment, what do you what do you each of you guys think is driving growth in the children's literature category? I'll I'll, I'll go on and say on um, the connectedness. You know, children's books bring connectedness that the child desires, that the caregiver desires, that the family member desires. So I believe because it's it's physical, you know, and, and uh, living and breathing, in my opinion. So it, it's a connector. So if you don't have that, you have a lot of independent uh, experiences going on. So this the the book is the bridge. So if the bridge is entertaining, fun, funny, and then maybe if they, there's something to learn on the bridge, that's even better. But the bridge itself is the thing that I believe we are wanting, and that is always going to be a draw and a successful item to want for, whether you're the youngster, whether you're the teenager, whether you're the adult or the grandparent, any age. The connection is so important. What do you think, Stephen? Well, I, I agree. I think there's a connection, and I think there's a difference between, uh, like, what you might see on the screen, and uh, or what you see on your computer. You know, that sort of thing, where it's there's something detached about it. And when you have the physical book, and uh, I know with my book, I, I have like a lot of fun characters. It's almost like 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 a level when you you could hold the book like I have the book it, it's it's almost like you know like I could go out and buy a bunch of dolls and you have the doll and you want to hold on to a kid wants to doll because there's that physical connection and and the book it it's not a doll but you look at the pictures and and you see they they jump out off the page and it, it's almost the same kind of relationship that a child could have with a book or a doll that you really can't have just like staring at a screen. I And and what about, I'm just going to push on this because I know audiobooks are a huge growing segment in, in adult literature, but also in kids' literature because busy parents can avoid the screen but still have their kid reading. And obviously there's some kids who are, have learning disabilities where they they take it in orally, um, you know, um, through acoustically better. What What's, you know, the story, however, however gets in is that imaginative quality. That's ultimately what I'm hearing is that connection is to to a world outside of yourself as well. I've actually converted all 31 of mine into audio and they are incredible. So the idea is um, driving for a holiday visit, right? you can play one of the audiobooks and then I do really in-depth synopsises so you can discuss it the whole idea is to to discuss what's being read and what's funny and you know what's ironic right is how we both write there's there's humor there's irony there's satire and it's meant to be a leap pad for discussion so if you're in the car, some people can't even read, they get cart, whatever. Audio can be very helpful. And, you know, there's there's children that that's really how they process is, is through audio. So I, I do think it's important to have the option, if you can, of both, plus the theater of it is, is truly incredible. 
Stephen, do you have any thoughts on that or? I I really would love to get my, <laughs> I, I have my, my adult books in audio. I don't have my kid books in audio, even though uh, I think it would be so much fun. And uh, I, I actually was on a recent podcast uh, just the other day where and she she knows my voice where she was like, oh, you should do like the audio with the different characters. I actually hired somebody else to do my audio for the adult books and you did a great job, but there's so many characters that, that lives inside me. Exactly. Maybe I, sh I should have done it. And I think that's I think that's something that's so fascinating. You just mentioned characters and just sparked something for me. As a kid, I mean, forget even as a kid, as a grown-up, when the Harry Potter books came out, to me, this was the most remarkable gift of imagination. And when the first movie came out, I really resisted seeing it because I knew it would change everything. And when yeah. I went, I actually yeah. went, to, I had the opportunity to go to the New York premiere with my my former boss's daughter. And it was so fun to go. But I mean, I was saying Hermione and it was Hermione and Quidditch was something totally different in my brain. And you never get back to what you had in your own imagination once someone's told you what it's supposed to look like. And I don't have the same feeling with 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 audio. It's just as it's as you guys said, it's a production. It's fun. And and Stephen, I can totally imagine all the different characters, you know, that live, as you say, inside of you and getting them out is such a fun exercise. So it's it is it is a very, I, I think it's quite a different thing. Um, but that's a personal feeling as, as we look at like trends let's just call it like what are your editors your publishers your readers demanding like what are the things that are changing that you think in the next you know has happened quickly and over the next five to ten years are going to continue to evolve um as far as content within the books the the stories themselves well i think i think people want uh a story that they could learn something without being told i mean i see a lot of kid books children books like how to be use your manners how to do this how to do that how to behave how to like uh you know, almost like you know like feeding you without really much of a story to it it just has the moral uh to it how to behave and it doesn't have much substance to it and what i, I know what i try to do in my book is take you into a world and it's hysterical and it's funny and the characters are so interesting but but there's a message that is so important that I want people to get um, that they could take out from themselves and actually there's a few messages in, in my books that people depending on how you read it you could you read of certain things that really speak to you and you it becomes comes internally from you not external uh, at you and I think there's a lot of books that got coming at you and uh, so uh, I you know in terms of trends I think people people want to read those books that they could get something internal that they could you know you like you read like Harry Potter and it's it comes from you inside yeah you know, like the voices come they become you and, and I think that's why Harry Potter was so popular uh, it, you know, it's it's your own voice, but but they give you the words, and that that's that's empowering. Uh, so, that kind of book, I think, uh, is what people like to see. Kellyanne, what do you think? You know, 
I, I would definitely agree with, with everything that was just said. Um, and, you know, I would just add a lot, I feel, um, writing from the voice of the inner child to the child is what is needed and is what is being responded to as opposed to the adult. I, I think Stephen and I both operate from this inner child space or inner teen or what, young adult. And, and when you write from that, that draws the reader in. And, and they can relate and it resonates. And it's just like a Harry Potter book. It talks through the inner child. So I think that's gigantic when it comes to what. And then permission, so much uh, about permission. Permission to emote. It, permission to feel a certain way without being, like, like Stephen said, without being told, right? You know, you can bring up topics in gentle ways without telling the child. Yeah. I think what you both are saying is something about, I mean, and, and I think it's true, the best children's books reflect what's happening in society and culture and and help kids to some degree make sense of it, right? Um, without, again, preaching or, or dictating. So, I mean, I, I'm, I certainly like recognize like growing themes of, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. So more, people that you don't necessarily see, right? Like that authenticity of the storytelling of, you know, it, it, I, I worked on a big media project last year and it was it's talking about like representation in front of and behind the camera, right? And I think this is coming up in kids' books as is social justice and sustainability and these themes that are like much more meaningful to bigger society. But Stephen, as you said, without preaching, hopefully. Um are you guys uh, feeling pressure on that front to to make sure that there are educational, whether it's STEM, whether it's mental health and wellness um, aspects, or do you think that there's still this inner child, just straight up, you know, empathy fun that is that is that there's room for in this space? Uh, there, there's room for empathy and fun, and uh, I mean, I know when I write, I really want to have a message too in there, uh, so. After this last book, my last noodles, the Noodles in Space book came out, my illustrator who loves drawing this goes, I would write for free, you know, and you better write a story. I'm going to go gangsta on you. you know? <laughs> it's, and I told him I can't write a story. If it's, I could write a story, but it has to be about something. And uh, uh, then the light bulb came, came up, lit up. And uh, my next book is like a takeoff on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but making uh, the the bad kids the heroes of the book. And that's about like shaming. Like you can imagine, you know, when you think of the story of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie's the salt. Yes. And the, you have the good kid, you know, Charlie, and everybody loves the, the good kid, but these bad kids, maybe not necessarily bad or spoiled, and they make bad decisions and things don't turn out too well from them. But if you remember the movie, like all it was a media circus. And I can imagine what was published the next day about these poor, maybe like uh, uh, spoiled kids and they were, they're shamed. So, uh, so my next book, I have Frippy Frumpy Froodle and uh, Whippy Wubby Woodle going to Chucky Chocodoodle's uh, chocolate factory with the Schlumpadoodles. And, uh, 
and then they end up frumpy frumpy has a fitzy fizzy wizzy uh papadoodle and uh whippy whiny has a swizzly twizzly slimadoodle so <laughs> frumpy frumpy pops and uh whippy wumpy turns into a bucket of slime oh my goodness and, and uh kids love this you know yeah so but but they become heroes at the end and they, they save the planet, like of course. And uh, and all and when they get get the keys to the city, all the other students in the class who might have not looked at them so kindly are applauding. They're all there cheering these two kids who were shamed initially because of the, the media circus, uh, that they're they're heroes. That's wonderful. I want to um we're, I'm I'm very cognizant on this program, unfortunately, of time and we're 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 there. So I want to just do a quick, you know, um, the, the last question I always ask. I mean, the, this is a it's a slow moving industry, but it's changing. And you guys are both on that forefront of 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 kind of the next generation of children's books authors. If you look 20 years into the future, you know, what is your greatest hope for what is this this this, you know, children's literature is going to look like? I sure hope there's a lot of well worn paper books. <laughs> Thank you for that. I love it. Steven? I, I just hope that uh, uh, the, the books, uh, people read books and they come, come off of it thinking that, you know, the world is going to be a better place the next day. Well, that's a super, super hopeful message from both of you um, on this Thanksgiving. I give thanks to both of you for joining us uh, on Future of XYZ, talking about the future of children's books. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks, Lisa. Um, for everyone watching, uh, you should know that you can listen anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And if you're listening already, you can watch on YouTube at www dot ripbs.org forward slash xyz that's rhode island pbs's homepage. uh you can also follow us on instagram at future of xyz and be sure to leave a five-star review and go check out kellyanne manuel's and stephen joseph's excellent children's books uh it's a perfect holiday gift or any other time that any of us inner children or our children's children want to have entertainment uh, and education together so thank you both and we'll see you soon